Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Boss Podcast. This week we have Tanya Katan with their talk from Boss 2018 called Creative Trespassing. Welcome to the Business of Software podcast, where we share talks from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. You can find out more at businessofsoftware.org. After years of smuggling creativity into the corporate sector without being busted, Tanya has learned that we don't need to be in a job that is distinctly creative in order to be distinctly creative in our job. In fact, no matter how tedious the task or how buttoned up the office environment, we can all learn to conjure imagination anywhere, anytime, by choosing to stand out rather than fit in. Full of hilarious stories and wacky, battle-tested exercises for flexing your creative muscles, you'll learn tools and strategies for taking more creative risks, leading with more imagination, facing fears and embracing obstacles as an opportunity to accelerate growth, and the ability to find inspiration where others see only limitations. Happy listening. Okay. Okay. okay, okay, stay standing emotionally, but you can sit down physically. Great. That was awesome. Um, so what it, it felt pretty awesome to test the limits in this room full of people, yeah? Like, awesome, you know, to be supported and um, people cheering you on. It's probably different than our regular lives as entrepreneurs, uh, as innovators, as human beings, when we're out in the field and we're pitching our wares and we seem to be confronted by all of these barriers and limits and I don't like your idea and I don't even understand it. I'm not gonna fund it. Who are you? And nobody's applauding for you, you know? It's just you. And you don't even wanna applaud yourself. You know, you're just like, high five, Tanya. No, just like that. Ah, and um, the reality of it is, though, is that all of those barriers and, and boundaries and limits are, are coming from us. That's the hardest thing to accept, is that we are chock full of self-limiting belief. So we kind of sling these things right in front of ourselves, these barriers, these no trespassing signs. You can't do that. It's not best practices. We never do it like that. Um, we put all of this in front of ourselves as a barrier. And, um, and because of this, because of these self-limiting beliefs, we stop ourselves from doing the things we really want to be doing. And so I'm going to be talking about, um, about self-limiting beliefs and this idea that I've been working on for about 10 years now. I was kind of studying and um, testing the limits of what is possible, what is profitable, um, what is probable when we bring our creativity with us into the workspace, when we bring our creativity with us into our everyday lives to, to take on challenges. And I call this way of working creative trespassing, and um, I actually, people actually hire me, I don't know why, but they do. Uh, and I work with people and companies to show them that there are more creative ways for doing our less like technically creative work. 
And so now what I'd like to do is I'd like to start at the very beginning, okay? Um, the, the, like really the beginning. I wanna go with my parents. Okay, great. Um, does anybody here have a dad? Okay. Um, anybody's dad ever take them to uh, picnics, like company picnics? Anyone? Yeah, my dad too, it's okay. Um, the only problem with my, uh, my dad is that he never worked for the company, okay? So he would crash company picnics. Um, this is where I learned my first act of creative trespassing. He would see a, a sign, you know, that, that in the park that said Motorola, and instead of seeing it as a barrier to entry, he would see it as an opportunity to get his kids hot dogs and free soda. So this is my, this is my background. Um, this is my mom, she's really cute, she's French. Um, she has always uh, tested this notion of ownership. You know, she's like a, a pacifist and she's like, who are we like, to own anything? Is this, is this mine or yours or ours? And so in, in this photo, we just left the doctor's office and we're going out to Thai food. And um, she has swiped a magazine from the doctor's office. And she calls this subscription on the go. <laughs> to me. <laughs> and so definitely like pushing on, on the limits of what's possible, profitable, and, um, and probable. So uh, these are various stories about, um, about my creative trespassing journey. At one point in my life, uh, I was hired to work at a contemporary art museum. And uh, I was hired because they wanted to create new programs, new revenue streams, and um, new audiences. The museum needed just like an influx of, of newness. And so they wanted somebody who was like a little rule breakery, uh, you know, tested the limits of what's possible. And so the director hired me. And on the first day at work, uh, I remember he kind of like paraded me around the offices of the fancy curators. And he was like, this is Tanya. She has a degree in theater, and we need some drama around here. <laughs> this is Tanya, she's a disruptor, and we like that. This is Tanya, she thinks way outside the box, and that's what we need in this museum. And then he showed me to my office, and it was a cubicle. And I'm not kidding. It was literally like two feet by three feet. Has anybody ever worked or currently works in a cubicle? You can't even hold up your hands. You're like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. Um, it was a cubicle. And uh, I did in that moment what any good theater practitioner would have done when the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune were hitting her in the pie hole. I launched into a soliloquy. Um, <laughs> Joe knows, but for those of you who don't know what a soliloquy is, it's when some, uh, someone l loses their mind in front of a live audience. So I was in my little cubicle and I was like, how can I create awesome, racy, disruptive programs in this teeny tiny space? And it's weird, like I'm in a cube inside of a larger cube. That's so weird. And um, doesn't the director look like the master from Doctor Who? That's why he stuck you in here to control your mind. <sighs> so once I got done with my soliloquy to an audience of no one, uh, I looked up and I discovered that cubicles don't have ceilings. That was a cool discovery because when there are no ceilings, there are no limits. 
and I got to work. And the first thing I did uh, was created an online program, a series called Out of the Cubicle. I hired a videographer. We ran around the museum compound and made these funny videos. I'll, I'll set up the first one, and then I'll show you uh, what the outcome was of those videos. Uh, so the first one is, uh, there's a, an architect named Will Bruder. Does anybody, anybody heard of him? No, that's okay, you'll look him up, it'll be fun. Uh, and Will Bruder has designed museums all around the country and internationally. And so I called him up and said, hey Will, would you kindly help me redesign my cubicle? And, and he said, yes. Okay. There's the world famous architect that's visiting us to oh. help you with your space. He's here. He's here. Oh, here. He's here. First response, it looks just like the happy place he said it was. Um, okay, so I'm going to set up the second one. So, uh, you know, uh, again, I was charged with uh, creating new programs, uh, getting new audiences in, and um, breathing new life into a museum. And so I was just doing my job. The second one, I was uh, challenging the, the social mores of work culture. So does anybody ever, have you ever heard of employee of the month? Everybody left. Um, so I remember it was my first experience with an employee of the month situation. I'm like, oh, employee of the month, how does one win that? And HR is like, you have to earn it. And I'm like, I will earn your vote. I'm going to run for employee of the month. <laughs> She's crazy. She's nuts. Uh, so the, the reviews were mixed, as you can see. She's not working. She's just running around having fun. As if the two are mutually exclusive, right? I mean, I never understood that. Um, working and fun do not need to be mutually exclusive. And I'll show you why. Bam! What did I do? My job. Boom. Uh, 
So it's true. I mean, I, I ticked all the boxes. And this is why when I talk about this idea of creative trespassing, of challenging our limiting beliefs, and really believing that when something confronts us that's an obstacle or a limit or a, a confinement, that we use our creative minds to figure out a unique way to, to walk or work around it, or to tunnel underneath it, or to leap over it. And then I did my job. There you go. OK. OK, so I was giving a uh, talk at a tech startup conference. And I was very energetic. And these two engineers from Amex came up to me after the talk. And they were really energetic. And they're like, oh my gosh, we totally want to start an innovation lab in our office. But we don't have any money, buy-in, or space. What should we do? I'm like, oh, no problem. Uh, and I said, you should look up an artist named Meg Duguid. So I'm going to tell you about Meg Duguid, and I'm not kidding, and I wasn't kidding then, and I'm not kidding now. Uh, Meg uh, has lived in Chicago for her whole life, and she's an artist and a curator, and at one point in her life, she's like, I want to own a gallery. I just want four walls and to have some art and, and invite artists to rethink the space, right? And, um, but you know, she was an artist making a living. Didn't have money, didn't have space, didn't have resources to do it. So did she let that stop her? Yes, yes, I'm so sorry. Yes, good day. <laughs> I, I wasn't gonna end there, but it seems right right now. Okay, no, she didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> she grabbed limits by the clutch, bam. <laughs> right, okay. It's, you know what, it's actually genius. In real life, what you have to do is you have to, she carries the clutch with her all the time. And so you have to schedule an appointment to meet with her and see that exhibition. And then she shows up, she puts the clutch down, she opens it up, you see the exhibition. She, show, she shows like really famous artists. And they've had to reimagine like the teeny tiniest confinement of all. That's amazing. And when I told the guys that, they're just like, oh, can't we just get some money? No, you can't. You've got to think creatively. Gosh. Uh, and that's a, a close-up. That was one of the exhibitions. Yeah. So uh, you know, we, we can read through this a bit. But really, uh, look, we all know the report is due. The budget's always smaller than the scope of work, right? We don't have buy-in and space and time and data and data. Um, but we always have our, our creative thinking, and we can always activate a space. Uh, so this is a, there, I wrote a book called Creative Trespassing. In it, there are some exercises. They're called productive disruptions, because I think you get more stuff done when you're stuck by disrupting the patterns and habits that keep you stuck. Going for a walk, drawing, doing a creative writing exercise. So these are some to help you when you're stuck. Um, yeah, so identify a space. And we're going to come back to this one, actually. Um, so I'm just going to move along. There. Ha-ha. CIO. Shit. We can just let that hang there for a little while. Any CIOs here? <sighs> Thank God. OK, so anyway. Uh, I was invited to speak at a CIO summit about creativity. And I was already freaked out a little bit about it. But then when I arrived, I started freaking out a lot. Because there were like 400 CIOs from like Disney to NASA. And they were all wearing suits uh, in varying degrees of like dark blue to black. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I don't make this up. 
I live it. I'm an experiment. Um, so I show up looking like me. And I'm in the back of the room watching the speaker before me, and I'm starting to panic because he is talking um, very intelligibly about uh, AI and uh, IA and VR. And uh, I'm like, whoa, what am I going to do up there? Like, uh, unless they want to rant about like TMIs or UTIs or like <laughs> BMWs. Like, I am uh, no way. Um, I started all my self-limiting thoughts were like racing in, like, you don't belong here. You're not a CIO. Ah. And then, and then the, the, the speaker is killing it. I mean, he is killing it. All the CIOs are just like. <laughs> so I know he's killing it. <laughs> CIO jokes, I could go all day. I can't. Ah. Anyway, uh, so I, I literally am, am panicking. I can't even breathe. I'm pacing back and forth in, in the back, hoping this ends quickly. And then the MC takes the microphone, and he says, we'd like to welcome to the stage Tanya Katan. She is a CIO. Oh, hell no. Uh-uh. I mean, I wasn't going to like tell him my quick fix for technology or like romantic relationships. Like, you know, just like turn it off, count to 10, turn it back on again. Okay? That's how I fix it. Um, I wasn't going to get up there. And then I, I really started to panic. And then fortunately, uh, the MC took the mic and he said, she's the chief inspiration officer. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Oh, my God. Whew. Tough crowd. Um, I'm going to leave this up for a second. So after, after that moment, what I realized is, you know, at so many conferences or work events, the first thing that we ask each other is like, what do, what do you do? What do you do? And I thought that that meant, what is your job title? What's on your business card? What's on the tiniest confinement? Um, but what I realized after that moment is that actually our, our job titles or what we do can be based on, on purpose, our purpose for being in the world and in that space. I had a purpose for being there. Um, so this is an exercise I've done with teams and I've done on my own. Um, does anybody, has anybody made up a, a job title based on, yeah, what do you, what do you got? Connection Catalyst. Connection Catalyst. See her. That's awesome. That's a good one. Anybody else? Yes? Head puncher? Um, don't see her. Okay, so anybody? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm really, I'm kidding. I'm totally. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, once I had, uh, when I was at the museum, I came up with curator of shenanigans, because that seemed like my job. I made business cards. I didn't tell my boss. I used them. Bam. Okay. So uh, I had the privilege of meeting uh, this woman named Stacy Kirk. She's the founder of a company called Quality Works. I'm going to move to her quote. Uh, my value in the world is great. Okay. So we were uh, we were on a on a panel together, and uh, and we were talking about core values. And she's they're, they're an agile company. They create frameworks for like launching software faster, accelerating the speed. Uh, and she, you know, somebody's like, well, what are, you know, what, what's your value? And she's like, you know, my value in the world is greater than my fear. And I, I'm pretty sure that was the best thing I'd ever heard a human say. And I, and I turned to her and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and so after the panel, I had a feeling that she was also a creative trespasser. 
And I asked her if she had any, um, any like sneaky ways in which she, uh, she brought creativity in to engage her team. And she said, I do. Uh, she, had, she has two teams. One was a recent one uh, added in, in the US. She had her regular team in Jamaica. And they had their regular stand-up meetings. Based on all the talks here, I know that stand-up <laughs> meetings don't always go according to plan. And neither did hers. Uh, and I think it was, it was actually the disconnect, the distance between the two, and this mediated form of doing a stand-up. Nobody was motivated to do it. They hated it. It took forever. And so she went back to the core values of the company. We're agile. We're nimble. We're, we're playful. And she came up with a really creative solution to the, the, these taking too long. Um, so what happened was the Jamaican team was ready with the solution. So when the US team called in on the video conference call, here's what they saw. They were in plank position. Oh yeah, implement immediately. Anybody ever do a plank? Yeah, you can barely hold up your hand like, I just did seven, I'm exhausted. Uh, what better way to sweat out information quickly and strengthen your core than to do a, a plank, okay? Uh, so that's how they solved this problem. It, uh, it, it inspired uh, a productive disruption. So uh, identify a disconnect in the communication. Touch base with your core values. This is something we overlook all the time. A lot of times we've already created the map for creativity. It's called like our, our content, our marketing, the language that we use to describe our company. And we just forget that somehow when it applies to us, right? Like, yeah, we're agile, but I don't have to like do stuff. Uh, mine your own company's language for opportunities to push the limits. Does everybody know this quote? When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Max Planck, I thought we'd continue with the plank. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. <clears throat> OK. So I'll tell the people, there's a lot of people here who know that I helped create something. This. Yeah, the, ba the bathroom symbol. So um, yes, everybody's holding up their computers. Um, so you know, this is the, the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at this. I got one. No, I don't. I just wanted to show you my bum. Thank you. Um, so, so this, you know, um, a reimagining of the bathroom symbol. Um, and then it became this. Uh, it was never addressed. Um, but what you might not know, I'm going to tell you, since this is like business of software and it feels like people are like disclosing things they don't tell other conferences. Uh, so there's two things you should probably know that you won't know about this. First of all, when I was hired by uh, this software company, Axosoft, I did not know anything, anything, anything about software. Nothing, okay? For real, trust me, I thought, Linux was like a Peanuts gang character. I mean, and then people were always like walking around talking about like open source, open source. And I'm like, don't kiss that person. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My open source joke. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, and then, of course, AI, right? It was like, it was like, 
if I went to like a pub with Mark, you know, and he was like, hey, I'd like another pint. No, um, that, I didn't know what AI meant. Oh my God, this is just, uh, I didn't, I really did not have any idea about software for real. And the, and the second thing that you need to know is that the person who hired me, the CEO, didn't come from software either. Didn't have a background in technology. Uh, actually is a pilot. Actually, uh, you know, is a physical therapist. And the reason why I tell you this is because uh, in, within a lot of the companies that I work for always feel like when they're looking for talent, they're looking for a perfect match. You know, sort of like a Tinder style of like, oh, you've got an MBA? Oh, we're looking for an MBA. It's awesome. Um, and, and that I want, to, I want to encourage you to consider mismatches that make sense, where there's some threads of connection. Um, this is a really, this productive disruption. So, and, and as a result of, of working at Accessoft, you know, we created something uh, that wasn't, expected. It wasn't um, on the, the Q4 goals, you know, and, it, and um, we didn't have the money for it. We didn't use money. We didn't like spend extra, extra money to, to create it. Uh, we just did something because we wanted the challenge uh, of, of solving or at least presenting an option for how, um, how to see women in the workspace or in the world. And, and that was it. And so we did that. Um, these are, who here has speaker series, lunch and learns, at their company. That's awesome, 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 awesome. Uh, I've had the great privilege at speaking at a lot of these events. And what I've also found is that, you know, once you invite these people in, you can have conversations that last beyond that moment and help generate ideas that come from outside. Um, so in, in addition to this, I would encourage you to invite outsiders inside your company, especially when you're feeling stuck uh, with solving a problem, even if that problem is, is technical. Okay, so um, I'd like to do a little something something with you. Who here has a pen and paper? Oh my gosh, people, somebody just threw his head back laughing like she has lost it. Uh, okay, so if you, don't, uh, if you have a pen and paper, please use that. If you don't, use your computer. But I'm saying use a pen and paper um, because it's a way to disrupt our, our typical habits. When we work on a computer, we're solving problems, we're doing work. But when we uh, write with pen and paper, we're uh, testing our muscle memory, we're functioning in a different way, it's gonna be awesome. Oh my gosh, so good, so good. Whoa, 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 Do, you already gave your, don't, don't, don't fart on my stage. That's French for don't fart on my stage. I'm gonna get the head, the head knocker. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just look up uh, optimistically when you're when you. Who who needs pens and paper? Hands up if you want a pen. Got one foot. Okay. Your shard, Dimitri. Okay. Good. 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 Okay. Um, and uh, we're. So we're going back to this, so productive disruption. I'm going to read it, you can look at it, and then we're gonna do it. Oh, 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 forget it. Okay, because I, okay, hold on, hold the line. I, I forgot to, to introduce one important part. Um, has it, does anybody write in a journal, journal write, anyone? 
Great, awesome. So for those of you who didn't lift your paw up, the most important thing is to not think or overthink this. It's to trust your instincts and write until I say time, okay? Thinking Fs everything up. You can quote me on that, okay? So that's all. Um, now here we go. So productive disruption, I'm gonna read it aloud. Uh, think about a limiting space or belief. We're gonna write for five minutes without stopping or editing all the ways in which this limiting space or belief has unlimited possibilities, okay? Don't worry about three or four. How about that? Are you ready? I've got a timer here. Go. If anybody needs more paper, you can let us know. And we'll... Okay. I can always tell how satisfying that exercise was by how people put their pens down. I'm looking at Mikey. It was like, okay, done. It's good. It's good. Uh, okay. So how how was that? Anybody want to share how that was uh, confronting a limiting belief or space, and then actually doing some creative thinking to explore what's possible in that space? Anybody? It was fun. Yeah. Why was it fun? Yeah. That's great. Do you, do you want to share any uh, any of it or? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like um, sometimes when. Like. Yeah. So uh, for a while, I've been trying to deal with perfectionism and, mm. and fighting that because it, it it's pretty limiting. It's extremely limiting, and it's not possible. So I was playing with that, and I was it, it occurred to me that uh, perfect's the enemy of the good, mm. right? So why not make that literal? Why not have like a battle, a war, an, an advertising campaign where good is actually fighting perfect, you know, in, in ridiculous, crazy ways. And and perfect, best of all, could just fuck up every, like all the time. Perfect thinks it's perfect, but it's just just as shitty as anything else, right? And that would be hilarious, <laughs> I think. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to see that campaign. That's fantastic. Thank you. Anybody else want to share how it went and what their limiting belief was and how they tackled it? Anyone? You don't have to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Exaggerated running towards you. Um, I, one of the things I found interesting was that I, I first started putting down the stuff that just like was like, oh, yeah, I do this, I do this, I do this. And then I'm like, hmm, I've run out of those easy ideas. What else could I do? Hmm. I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. I could do that. Yeah. Um, and so I can read what I wrote. Yeah. Um, I said, I can't fly a helicopter. Uh, so I started off I'm like, well, I can start to learn about how the blades work and how the controls operate and what the pedals do and things like that. And I'm like, well, okay, those are the easy answers I've run out. What else can I do? And I thought, hey, wait, I can go out and buy a model helicopter with my son and we can go field and try to fly it. And then we could film it. We could put that on YouTube raise money and get more helicopters, more videos, and then I can go take <laughs> lessons. And so it was just like, it's great. it just kind of continued on and on from there. But like, that's just like one thing leading to another. Yeah. Oh, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. That's so. awesome, that's <laughs> fantastic. And did it make you feel like horrible doing that? Or did it make, give you a sense of joy and purpose? No, it, it really did, because yeah. it was like, it, it just, 
I think as a, it just gets caught up in the first answer. Well, I just go do this, but then it's like forces me to go on to something else. Try something different. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah. I mean, talk about, you know, taking something to the nth power. Um, this is a, a tool, anybody who's sort of c come up um, more formally in the arts, visual, performing, dance, um, there's something that we're taught, which is what if questions, it's to ask what if. And really, the question is there um, to ask uh, what are the possibilities beyond what we see? And, and yours, you know, inspired me. Like, what if, um, or what if I had good in a battle with perfection? And what if perfection was just totally kicking goods? And what if, and, and you take it to, to the nth power, and somewhere in that space, you, you'll find um, a solution or an idea that's infinitely better than what you started, the sort of simple, like, a limit, I'll take it on, done. Um, you'll find something you didn't expect, especially when, when staying with it. One, one of the reasons I, I tell people not to stop or edit yourself or, or overthink um, is because it's in those spaces where we feel like, oh, I can't go any further. If you stay with it and you push through, you'll find the solutions, the ideas that you're looking for. That is a true story. News at 10. Bam. Uh, anybody else have an experience they want to share with... Uh, with this exercise? No? That's okay? Okay. We're gonna move along. Oh, look, a quote from me. I was self-conscious about quoting myself, but it, I think it's pretty good, not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> I just call that talking. I just, uh, talking is exhausting. <laughs> no. Okay, um, so I actually, I, I, you know, it's so funny. I'm going to finish a little early. I'm going to tell you about something, and then we'll have a, a sort of a conversation Q&A situation. Um, I'm, I'm flashing this here. Well, A, because my dog's cute. Who doesn't like a French bulldog? See me after. Uh, he's adorable. B, I wrote a book called Creative Trespassing. It's not out in physical form yet. You can pre-order and all that stuff, but that's not the important part. The important part is um, anybody here ever written a book? Yeah, oh my God, this is the smartest group ever. Okay, so you know that in the book writing process, there's something called the galleys, which is the book that looks kind of like a book, but it's not. And you're not to give it out to any human being other than press ahead of time, because they're fancy and they could write about it. So I brought four galleys with me to give to you. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Okay, um, the only, you'll see me a a after, um, after the talk, um, the first four people, I'll, I'll plop down right here, um, who tell me that they will do a productive disruption from the book or one that they saw today, and I can go over a few because they're not in the book. Um, if you'll do it and post whatever the outcome is on social media, you can have a book, bam. Um, so let me go back, I'll show you some of the, I'm gonna show you quickly some of the um, disruptions so that you have them if you want. Okay, there's this one. Move along. I'll go back. Who said that in the back? Who's starting the Q&A without a microphone? I love you. I love you so much, creative trespasser. Okay, hold that, hold that thought. We'll get you a mic. We'll get you all mic'd up. Okay. I think those are, and then this is the last one. This is actually a really fun uh, team building exercise if, you, if you're inclined. Um, all of them have been tried and tested and um, to, to mixed results. 
and the and <laughs> I mean they are. You know, that's actually you know what. Um, here's a here's a little tip for for you. Um, is that when you know I, I, like all of these shenanigans that I've been engaged with that I, I work on projects with people and we do kind of like boundary pushing things, we, they're always mixed reviews, right? That's how I know that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. It's like when the reviews are all bad or all good, you're like, nothing to work towards. When they're mixed, you're like, yeah, no, challenge, yeah. So mixed reviews are a good sign that you're on the right path. That's all I'm saying about that. Um, it seems like the Q&As really want to happen. I feel like pause, like, oh, like popcorn, oh. Okay. Let's, shall we start the Q&A? and we can engage in a conversation. Thank you. Who's got a hand up? Yes, you in oh. the back. Is that this, a theater person? This is making me nervous. Just a little bit. Can uh -oh. we see a photo of your cubicle? Oh, a photo of the cubicle? The after. I don't, whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you guys, whoa. Uh, so I don't have a photo of the cubicle with me, uh, but what happened was the architect, Will Bruder, really did redesign my cubicle. We bashed down all the walls. It was a teeny tiny corner space, and he, we used pallets because they were very inexpensive. And um, he, he made walls with the pallets. And what he did smartly, he wanted to ensure job security for me. So he made, through, made sure the slit in, you know, there's like slats in the middle, that they were just my eye height so I could see out. <laughs> and then when I, when I uh, moved on in, in my professional life, unfortunately, the, um, the, the cubicle was taken down. And I know it should have been memorialized. I agree with you. <laughs> Yes. Any more questions? Thank you so much for a fantastic talk. Uh, a lot of the examples you've given so far when you're talking about um, the creative disruption, the examples you've given mm -hmm. have been inside the office, the cubicle, bringing in speakers. Mm -hmm. But your really cool starting stories were about getting out, mm -hmm. crashing a company party. And I think a lot of us have a little bit of trouble uh, with, the, with, that, with the office door, right? Behind the office door, more willing to be disruptive or act like a hippo or whatever. Uh, but outside, that's where things get scary. Could you speak to some of your experiences, examples, advice on creative trespassing outside the office? What a great question. A great and, question. Yeah, a really good question. Well, uh, so the... The first thing, there are two things that come to mind, actually. Um, one, just when you were talking about getting outside of the office, um, there's, there's something I write about in, in the book. There's a, a study from Stanford. It's a study on walking and creativity. And you know those iconic, you know um, Steve Jobs meetings where he'd walk and you know blah blah blah. Um, and, and there's actually a, a connection between creativity and the brain and, and being in motion by walking. Um, so one way to start creative trespassing is to have a practice that generates creativity. And so I would recommend that you literally walk, move your body in, in some ways. Um, and another, uh, another, another tip um, that uh, I was thinking about in terms of, of being in the world is, um, well, what were you talking about specifically? I had like seven different answers. And there's, it seemed like there is, is there something in particular when you think about um, being outside, you're like, it's kind of scary outside of, the, of that space. Oh, talking to customers. Oh, great. Okay, that's great. Okay, um, so 
Yeah, so, so creative trespassing, um, talking and, and connecting to customers. So one thing uh, that I learned, again, coming from, from theater, is this idea of, of dialogue. So uh, I showed you what a soliloquy is, right? That's where you talk to yourself aloud, okay? That's different from a monologue, which is half of a dialogue, okay? Um, which is different from a dialogue, okay? So I'm, I'm telling you this because we sometimes, as people who are in sales or marketing or just trying to connect with human beings, um, we tend to soliloquy. We are talking to ourselves. We have our script memorized, and they're just there. And so I would encourage you to think about that as a dialogue, okay? And it's just your half of the conversation. So even if the person on the other end doesn't say anything, you're an audience, you're not, you know, I'm saying a lot of stuff, you're not saying anything, but I'm considering that you're in front of me. I'm, I'm seeing you, I'm connecting with you. So anytime you engage with a human being, um, that you consider it a dialogue. And when you're speaking, it's your half, and when you're not, it's their half, and you're listening. But then it's, it's working in chorus together. So I hope that that's helpful. Yeah, 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 you're welcome. Hello. Hello. I think we have a pretty creative bunch at work. That's kind of cool, but how do you encourage this creativity across the enterprise? I'm just thinking of the job titles. That's a cool idea. Um, I mean, we're from Canada. In two weeks, marijuana will be legal everywhere, so we might get more creative. Uh, <laughs> but apart from that, uh, how do you encourage that enterprise-wide creativity mm. at every level? Yeah, I think so. There, there again. The, the, you know, I, I wrote a book filled with all of these things. There's one. There's one exercise that I really love so much. So. Um, there was somebody I worked with who, whenever things would be getting like a little not creative, uh, he would take it upon himself to, to run around the offices and scream, movement session! And everybody would just drop what they were doing, follow him into the lobby, and we'd do exercises. We just moved. It was a movement session. And that inspired me when I was working with some teams um, to do a creative session. So five, mi five minutes. It didn't hurt anybody. We didn't lose any customers. It didn't slow us down. We took five minutes. And somebody is sort of the, the leader of that creative disruption. And um, we say, write about how you got your name. Five minutes. Go. Bam. And they write. So again, it's going back to the exercise that we all just engaged with, sort of disrupting our typical patterns of this, of like talking it out, and da, 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 and just doing something totally different. Um, but writing prompts are a really good way to get you out of that, that vein um, and get you into a more creative space, for sure. Yeah. I have a dramatic soul. Um, I was always doing drama, but as you can tell from the accent, I am from England. Um, not known, I mean, we are creative in our ways, but um, I think uh, it's fair to say that if you said to a lot of teams, let's do something a little bit wacky, mm -hmm. it might not go down well. So, <laughs> so could you talk to us about um, creative risk-taking yeah. in more traditional environments. Yeah. Because yeah. um, all yeah, the English so people you know are incredibly reserved. I know, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, 
So yeah, I think that, that there's definitely lots of situations where we sort of like traded our soul for a key fob and a 401k and rigidity. And in those situations, I recommend doing creative trespassing acoustic style. So uh, I, I was working with this uh, woman who, who does QA uh, for a big company, and, she, and she, what she does, and I was like, that is genius, is she, at the end of a long, important email, she gives a little quiz. And the questions have nothing to do with the email. So this encourages follow through. They're always like really fun and creative questions. Um, and it encourages, you know, they get the Easter egg if they follow up on it. Does it hurt anybody? Does anybody feel challenged for their position in the world? Um, or, and, um, and also, I'll give you another, um, another exercise to, to do that's been really awesome is um, you know, a lot of times we get stuck in the fact that we're either like a leader or a manager or like, you know, there's some hierarchy. Uh, and I, I have this exercise called give an unofficial official award. You know, I mean, uh, when we think about e employee of the month and other awards, um, that has to go through like HR and all the channels and, uh, and then it gets, uh, it, it, it's all over. So at any given time, you can acknowledge an unofficial leader in your company. You don't have to make a big to-do about it. It doesn't have to happen in an all-hands meeting. You could just like, I don't know, take some uh, like envelopes from the office and, and scratch out, you are awesome because you embrace diversity, you know, and give it to them. So take it upon yourself to do, they can be subtle gestures, you include a little quiz at the end, um, and they can be an, uh, an unofficial official award where you give somebody an award saying, I just think you make meetings fun, um, as opposed to going through corporate or rigid channels. So those are a few. There are more to be had. Yeah, thanks for asking. Good question. Yes. Uh, sorry. So, yes. Uh, I'm over here. Sorry, hi. Uh, I'm oh, cute. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I feel I'm, you, but I can't see I'm, you. Okay. I'm just curious. I'm sure when you go into some different environments, you have some, some skeptics, some people who see what you're trying to do, and maybe initially like, you know what? I'm good, that's not for me. Can you tell a story, maybe how you've converted one of these non-believers? Oh, oh yeah. Um, how about a whole group of them? So I worked in this company that was, uh, the work culture was like, we have to do everything together, whether you like it or not. It was very like, we eat lunch together, we hang out together, we're, we go to the bathroom together, like we're very busy together. <clears throat> and so, uh, and also people didn't leave the office for lunch because there was kind of this, um, this feeling that if we left, we weren't, you know, we would be seen as not doing our job. And so I decided to do the subtle disruptive act of leaving for lunch, you know? I would go for walks, I would go for a coffee. It wasn't taking more time than necessary, but what I wanted to do was find ideas and images and things from the outside and bring them back into the office. And um, so at first, people literally, the, my boss at the time rolled his eyes and like, what's she doing? And I'm like, I'm enjoying my life, okay? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Got 30 minutes, go. Uh, and so I would do this every day, and it wasn't, I mean, in, in all seriousness, it wasn't an act of defiance. It was an act of, of trying to do my job better by going outside, coming back in fresh and new. And then what would happen is slowly, um, like one person would sidle up next to me and go, where do you go? <laughs> I'm not kidding. And then, and then two people would be like, can I go with you? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I just walk. Like, I have a coffee, and, you know, we walk. And, 
Okay, so pretty soon, like, two people were coming, and then pretty soon, like, lots of people were, were leaving for lunch, and then pretty soon, I'm like, well, let's just go have lunch together outside. Um, and so it was like, you know, the boss after a while, like, he wasn't any happier. However, um, we, we were, we were happy. <laughs> All's well that ends well. Uh, yeah, but that was a way, so, so to answer your question, I don't ever, when I go into spaces, like either as a consultant or as somebody who's embedded in an organization, I don't ever say like, do this, this is fun, disrupt, la la la. I, I show people that there are different ways for being and doing our work in the world. And then, and then we see that there are options, and that's it. I'm, uh, there's no dictums, it's just an option for being in that space. Yeah, thanks for the question. And we have I'm one more, say, well, say two more questions. One more. No, two more, one. one here and then one. No, just the one. Oh, whoa. Ooh. Whoa, Daddy whoa. Warbucks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, yes. Hey, Tanya. Hey. I, I really hey. liked your talk about uh, your value being greater than your fears. Can you talk about imposter syndrome as a limiting belief? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> imposter syndrome is preposterous. I, it's so hard. Oh, Here's what I can talk about is that statistically, people who suffer from imposter syndrome are probably in this room because they're all people who function at a really high level, are really smart, and are overachievers. Makes no sense, right? Right. Uh, and, uh, and I've worked with, uh, I've coached people who literally you would know in the world who are like famously like confident, da da da, and they're like, I don't believe I belong here. And I suffer from it too sometimes. Um, and so here's the, this is what I wrote, oh my gosh, I just want to give all of you the book right now. So this is one of the, the exercises from the book. You have to promise since I'm giving it to you by the book when it comes out. Great. Okay. <laughs> Um, it's called, I, it, do you know the Rockford Files? Did you remember that show? Yeah, oh my God, this is the coolest group, yeah! Uh, okay, so Jim Rockford lived in like, he, he was committed, uh, he was in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Uh, and then he was in prison for like years and years and years, and then he got out, and then he lived in a ramshackle trailer. And his life was hard. And so I'm like, well, if his life is hard, my life can't be that hard. And, um, and so what I did is I created a file, a physical file folder called IROC file, okay? You can create a physical one. You can create one on, uh, on your computer. Uh, and what I put in there are all the sort of like thank you cards, um, the acknowledgments from customers, uh, the nice notes that people say about me that aren't from me. And so when I'm, because what, <laughs> wait, that didn't even go, that's, that's so crazy. See what you did. I, I do, I, I, try to, I try to do positive self-talk. But anyway, that's so crazy. Mark made me say it. Uh, yeah, so this way, when you're having a moment, because typically, assuming you're doing your homework, you're showing up and you're giving your best, you're always going to rock. But sometimes we can't see that when we're in that, that frame of mind. And so going to these files and opening them up and saying, oh my gosh, remember when that customer was like, you know what, I really appreciated you taking the extra time with me. Look at it from somebody else's perspective. So that's, that's my best tip for imposter syndrome. And I'm sorry, we all experience it. It just means we're smart and overachievers. Don't forget you can get updates of new episodes of the Boss Podcast and of talks and events coming up in the Business of Software calendar by subscribing to our newsletter. Visit businessofsoftware.org updates to sign up for free. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.